<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome to Hollywood and Levine. Thank you so much for being here. I'm Ken Levine, your podcast host. And on today's show... I'm going to talk about the Charlize Theron sex tape. Now, how's that for clickbait? Actually, it was a sketch that she did for Funny or Die. You may have seen it. It went viral, and my guest today wrote that sketch and starred in it with her. That's right. He played the gimp. His name is Avin Doss, and he's actually a terrific writer. Now, he is going to talk about the sex tape, also what it is like to write for Funny or Die, and for a while, he was a writer's assistant on a big network sitcom, and so he's going to tell you what that life is like and how you can parlay that into a writing career. But first, I'm going to be sharing some of my dreams with you. If you can figure out what these dreams mean, other than the fact that I'm deeply disturbed, please let me know. So, a lot going on. Keep it right here on Hollywood and the Vine. We all have those dreams where we're late for a very important meeting and, you know, we can't find the office, the car won't start, uh, you don't know where you're going, or it's the day of the final exam and you hadn't studied and you're about to flunk out, you know the drill. Whatever your particular situation is, I'm sure there's a custom version of this dream to fit your particular night tears. Well, I had one recently, and this kind of gives you a window into the way my brain works. It was so goofy that when I woke up, I scrambled for a pen and paper to write it down. Okay, so this was my fever dream. I was asked to be the guest host of The Tonight Show. Okay, now forget that I've never done that or have any experience in it, and I did no preparation. I, of course, said yes. It was still in Burbank. I mean, even in my dreams, NBC can't afford to fly me to New York. And Jay Leno was still hanging around. He still had an office. Now, it was not a big office. It was more like a reception area for a secretary. There were no awards or pictures on the wall with him and Boy George or Reagan. There were no windows even. But he sat at his desk and he was playing Travel Towns, which was a word game contest that newspapers used to offer back when there were newspapers. I remember there were ads in the L.A. Times for travel towns. Now they have travel towns. You know, who needs a Washington bureau when you have travel towns? I don't even know how it's played. I think it's some kind of hangman game 
where you're guessing Pismo Beach and El Centro. I don't know, but Travel Towns was a big thing. That's the reason why you bought the Los Angeles Times. Maybe that's the reason why the LA Times is struggling. They need to bring Travel Towns back. Anyway, Jay was not very warm, not very welcoming. And, you know, thinking back, it's probably because Jay Leno never had a guest host. But then I was taken to my dressing room, which was smaller than Jay's, and it didn't have a shower. It had a bath. That's weird. Guest hosts were supposed to take baths after the show? Okay. Anyway, my guests, I was told, were the mom from Fresh Off the Boat, Constant Wu, I think that's her name, child star Moosey Dreyer, who I happen to know now from the White Fire Theater in the San Fernando Valley. We both directed productions there. And the U.S. Free Cell Champion. And I said, Free Cell Champion? What the fuck am I going to ask the Free Cell Champion? And then I realized that the person I was talking to, well, not only did she not know, she was an NBC page. That's who they assigned to me, the guest host of The Tonight Show, an NBC page. She did tell me that Jane Fonda was supposed to guest, but when she heard that it was me, she canceled. Nice. It's like I dump on myself even in my own dreams. Well, it occurred to me that I didn't have an opening monologue. So I asked her where the writers were and was told that, oh, no, guest hosts have to write their own monologues. Okay, I had an hour. What was I going to write about? Uh, I thought about, well, maybe a bit about how big Jay's office was and the guest host had a trailer on wheels. (laughs) And I thought, who would give a shit about that? Okay, Anyway, I I had an hour, uh, I would still come up with something. Or, you know, I could just wing it. Just go on NBC and just wing it. Then I thought, hey, ask Jay. So I go to his office, and he's still there. He's still playing Travel Towns. And he says, well, just do a bit about Travel Towns. And I'm thinking, where are the laughs from Travel Town? And who even knows about Travel Town? Well, he got offended. He folded up the paper, he crossed his arms, looked away, and said, I can't help you. Fine. See if I let you guest host when I take over the Tonight Show, asshole. So now I had 45 minutes. I still had to come up with something, or again, just wing it. And then I realized I didn't bring a suit. I just had this pullover sweater, and I was wearing old sneakers. Do all guest hosts have to wear a suit? So I thought about calling my wife and asking if she could just come over, bring a suit. And then I thought, well, first of all, she'd never make it in time. And secondly, rightfully so, she would be giving me shit for months. You didn't bring a suit? You guest host the fucking Tonight Show and you didn't bring a suit? Okay, I thought, I'll just wear the sweater. I'll have kind of a Mort Saul look. It'll make me look quirky, like I have my own style. America will appreciate that. Yeah, like America cares. So I went out to the car to at least get my jacket. And then when I re-entered the building, there was a TSA-type screening program to very attractive Asian women. Why Asian? I don't know. 
I should have asked them what they wanted to know from Constance Wu. Anyway, they use these wands just to, you know, screen me, you know, and then one found something. And she held up my arm and on the back of my hand was something sweet. Must have brushed against some pudding or something. I don't know, maybe from a previous stream. I'm still trying to figure out travel towns. Well, this needed further inspection. I pleaded with them. Look, I had to go. I was guest hosting The Tonight Show in 20 minutes. They smiled. They said something in a foreign language, swabbed some white frosting on my hand, then got out a tin of gingerbread snaps, began crumbling them up and putting them on the back of my hand. And I looked up. It was five minutes before airing. I completely panicked. And that's when I woke up. Okay, like I said, we've all had those dreams But that one was very detailed-oriented and, again, had to get that Jane Fonda shot in on me. Most dreams I forget. I dream a lot. I don't know about you, but I dream an awful lot. In fact, sometimes I wake up in the morning and I'm, like, exhausted because of all of the dreams. Every so often, though, I will get a zany one and I'll reconstruct it as best as I can. And here's one from a couple of years ago. And, yes... I know I need lots of therapy. So in this particular dream, I go to my agent's office, except it's not my actual agent. It's some new guy, young, very nice, like Ken Jeong in a tailored shirt and tie, always tweeting on his cell phone. Again, what is it with me and Asians in all of these dreams? Anyway, I'm there because he dug up a spec pilot that I had written years ago and he wanted to go out with it. And the pilot had something to do with hockey, I'm not really sure the details because I've never written a pilot about hockey, nor do I really understand hockey. So why I choose that as a subject matter, you know, since I'm a big proponent of write what you know, so what am I doing writing about hockey? Okay, well, I did. That's besides the point. And the agent places a call to some low-level executive in a production company. I can overhear both ends of the conversation. And as best as I recall, it went like this. I mean, seriously, I sat with a pen and I tried to reconstruct this. I'm going to be committed, I know, after you hear this. Okay. The agent says, I got a great spec pilot to send you. The exec says, awesome. The agent says, it's by Ken Levine. The exec says, pass. (laughs) I just love to dump on myself in my dreams. Okay. The executive said, pass. Agent said, why? Exec said, he's a hack. Agent said, he wrote cheers. The exec said, cheers is shit. The agent, cheers is a classic. The exec, okay, fine. What's it about? Agent says, hockey. Pass. Why? Ken Levine can't write that. Why not? Executive says, he's gay. The agent says, what? Ken Levine is not gay. Exec says, yeah, he's gay. The agent says, and you know this how? Exec says, it's all over social media. A gay guy can't write hockey. <laughs> the agent goes, wait, he's, he's not gay. But even if he were, that's ridiculous. Why can't a gay guy write about hockey? Executive says, well, hockey's not gay. The agent says, he wrote MASH. Exec says, MASH is gay. The agent says, what? How is MASH gay? The executive says, hidden messages. Oh, and it starred a guy in a fucking dress. 
Okay, again, so I'm overhearing all of this. By now, I'm just hysterical. The agent is getting mad. And then the agent says, I'm gay. And then the executive pauses for a second. He goes, well, I love gays, but not for this. Agent says, that's discrimination. And the exec pauses for a moment and he goes, well, can he get Julia Roberts? The agent says, to play who, the goalie? Executive, no, not to act, to direct. The agent said, Julia Roberts directs now? And the exec says, I hear she wants to start. She'd be perfect for this. And the agent says, Julia Roberts directing a pilot about hockey? The executive says, get Julia Roberts and send over the script. And that's when the dream ended, which is really too bad because my writing partner, David, knows Julia Roberts, and I think I have a shot. Another dream I had, and I don't recall this one exactly. I did write it down, but I lost the paper. I was watching a new Neil Simon play. It was actually some kind of murder mystery comedy. It involved two brothers, and it involved an attic. And I was watching the play and enjoying it, laughing at all of the jokes, being surprised by all of the turns. And when I woke up, it occurred to me there had to be two sides of my brain working simultaneously constructing this dream. One side was the Neil Simon side actually writing the jokes and putting together the story and the turns. And then there was the other side of me in the audience being surprised hearing these jokes for the first time. So that's kind of weird when you think about it. Two distinct areas of your brain working simultaneously to give you a dream. Ooh, right, that should keep me up at night. Only in my dreams, as real as it may seem, it was only in my dreams. You like wine? Sure you do. Well, I've got the perfect wine club for you. It's called Wink, W-I-N-C. And Wink is a revolutionary wine club that delivers high-quality wine straight to your door. Now, they partner with innovative winemakers from all over the world, and they produce a wide variety of small-lot, handcrafted wines for their members. Now, with Wink, again, that's W-I-N-C, you have the freedom to pick and choose the types of wine and the number of bottles that you receive each month. And the best part is they offer a 100% satisfaction guarantee on every single bottle. And the bottles are only like $13 a piece. So if you want to try it, and since you are such a, a valuable listener to this podcast... I will give you $22 off your first order, and all you have to do is go to wink.com slash Hollywood. That's wink.com slash Hollywood, and it gets better because if you order four bottles or more, they will kick in the shipping as well. So, once again, wink.com slash Hollywood, $22 off your first order, and seriously, it's great. Great stuff. Hollywood and the Vine. 
Okay, now to the sex tape. Avine Doss is now a successful sitcom writer, and he also wrote for Funny or Die and was a writer's assistant on a huge hit network sitcom. Now, remember earlier when I was talking about those dreams that we all have where nothing works and everything breaks and you're sweating and you're about to lose your job? Well, as a writer's assistant, Avine actually experienced some of those dreams for real. He tells you what it's really like to be a writer's assistant, the good and the bad. And so here is my conversation with Avine Das. Well, the first question I have to ask you is about uh, the sex tape with <laughs> Shirley Theron. Shirley Theron. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, my mom is not going to be happy about this one. Uh, <laughs> it's crazy. But every guy will. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, so every uh, every April Fool's uh, funnier die. We always have a big event that like we usually find a theme and we just blow it up. And uh, in 2013, it was like every celebrity had a hacking scandal. Like, uh, I think uh, the famous one was, like, Jessica Alba. Then, like, Olivia Munn, like, stuff came out out of her cell phone. So uh, we went out to, like, the whole world and back trying to find a celebrity who would allow us to be, like, you got a fake uh, celebrity hacking scandal. And literally, like, we were dying. And then I think it was, like, March 27th. So, like, we were under the gun. They were, like, Charlize Theron is coming tomorrow. And we have to write, like, 15 sketches. And she's going to prove, like, seven of them. And we have to shoot them all in two hours. And, uh, I mean, we went for a Hail Mary once. So, like, there were stupid... I think Roseanne would have done it. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, there were stupid <laughs> pun-based ones, like Game of Theros. Like, this is, like, really, like, bottom-of-the-barrel sketches. But, like, we always throw in sex tape, especially with an actress. Like, any actress will always get pitched sex tape. And uh, they never pick it, which, you know, understandable. But for some reason, she picked it. And we had to shoot it... <laughs> And we had, like, a half hour to shoot it. Uh, she, we, like, put her in lingerie. And uh, we cast, like, these actors to dress up as gimps. And then at the last second, like, they bailed out. So, like, I was responsible for producing and, uh, <laughs> and uh, writing the sketch. So I had to take one for the team and dress up like a gimp. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And, like, Charlize was amazing. Like, she did three takes, and, like, she felt bad. It's like, if you if you look up Charlize Theron's sex tape, like, my face is in a, in a gimp mask. It's, <laughs> it's, it's really awful. It's insane. And, like, she's just, like, yelling at me. She was torturing me. And, like, the best thing that happened was, like, after she, like, abused me, like, she, like, she yelled at me for, like, a minute. And then, like, once we hit cut, she kissed me and says, like, you were a fighter. <laughs> and that was a dream. And, like, there's me, like, yelling on camera, like, oh, my God, this is the greatest moment of my life. Like, I thought I was thinking it, and it ended up, I was yelling it. It was it was terrible. It was really embarrassing. Sorry. <laughs> and it went viral, didn't it? Yeah, it went, yeah. So what Funnier Die does is that, like, through, like, our PR muscle, like, uh, the day before, like, we released it to, like, Just Jared and TMZ. And then, like, it just spread like wildfire. Like, I had friends... And family sending me, like, news articles from Australia, uh, England, Germany. Like, Charlie's there in sex tape. And then there's me in a gimp outfit. And, like, if I knew I was going to do it, I would have worn, done some push-ups. I would have worked out. <laughs> it's like there's me with, like, a gut. Oh, it, was just, it was awful. But, uh, yeah. You got a chance to write for Funny or Die. What's that experience like? Oh, man. It's, uh... It's like the it's the best training for an SNL or late night show. It's like pretty much every morning we just like go over the news, go uh, 
go over like what any any crazy pop culture stuff and uh we just break it down and try to write sketches for the week uh a lot of it's also like we we get to write commercials and that and that's most was mostly my job is i was the head sports writer at funnier die during my time there Blake Griffin was like, I need to make a commercial uh, for Kia for the slam dunk contest. And instantly, like, I had to get brought in a room with Blake Griffin and, like, his team of, like, agents. And it was just insane pitching to them. Well, Blake, and Blake's a great comedian, so he made everything great. But then cut to two weeks later, and we have him for a half hour. And I'm, like, with Jeff Goldblum eating sun chips. Like, it's just <laughs> insane. It's just insane how quick the turnaround is. Like, funny or not, yeah, it's... It's comedy boot camp. You also were a writer's assistant on a network sitcom. <laughs> and people always wonder, what do writer's assistants do? So tell me, what do writer's assistants do? Uh, we, we are the foot soldiers. I mean, it's like everything and anything. I mean, that job was like sometimes I was a therapist. Like sometimes a writer would just be like, I need to get out of here and throw the football around. And and then there's me in front of the, the studio just catching passes. And then there's times when um, I have, like, have to print 80 scripts 10 minutes to table read. So you're, and, and a copier goes down. So, like, I'm doing copier repair. And then meanwhile, like, I'm trying to go over jokes, like trying to make sure that all the new jokes got into a revised script. Oh man, and then and then you're trying to get all like the act dealing with actors, trying to get them scripts on time, and they and some actors need different size font scripts. They need an entire script at 36 font. Wow. Yeah. They're like what three words on a page? Yeah. Oh my god, <laughs> like, they're just destroying forest trees like for one table read script. They like they'll just throw out like it's insane madness. Yeah. Are I, you in the room when the the writers are? Yeah. Writing? Yeah. you're in the room. So, like, you're taking it down I've, on the I've computer. I've slept over at showrunners' houses. But I, I spent a lot of time on set. You're in a lot. Like I always had to have a laptop near me. Like I had nightmares of me being without my laptop or the copier going down. Like, seriously, like, I never thought a Canon copier would cause me so much This is like Vietnam flashbacks oh, God, yeah. for you. Oh, my God. Yeah, and then I also got the opportunity to write. Is none of the actual writers wanted to be in charge of writing the web series. Like, the, the network was like, we need to, like, expand our website. And, like, nobody ever went to the website. It was never publicized. Like, I think we got, like, 30 views. But, like, it was always, like, a big deal for me to, like, having to write these sketches and giving it to the showrunner. And then showrunner would be like, okay, these are pretty good jokes and making them laugh. And then there's me crying at home being like, I made the showrunner laugh today. Like, that was a big <laughs> event for something that would be watched by, like, 30 people and get sent around by, like, two people inside the building. And their, uh, their actual writers do not give a shit. It's, it's pretty... Fun. But like no, but like the writers are very great. Like of all the shows I got to be a writer assistant on, like all the writers could not have been any better. Like they always took me aside. Like they were always like if 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 they were on script, like I'd be able to to go to their house and help them. And like I got really close with a few of them. So they let me pitch jokes and I'd be able to get jokes into shows. I mean you're not supposed to do this when you become an actual writer. But I mean, I was a writer assistant, so I used to just always yell out like, "That's my joke" to friends and family, but never in front of another writer. I mean, you'd be caught dead doing that. So, what about when you were in the room? Yeah. And the writing staff was writing the script, and I assume you're at the computer yeah. writing it all down. Oh my God! Were you allowed to pitch yeah. any jokes? Oh yeah, it was all hands on deck. But some nights we're working two, three a.m., and everyone's exhausted. Everyone wants to go home to their families. 
And so that was my time to shine because I was, yeah, I was 25, 26. I had so much energy, drank a lot of caffeine that time. I just got into coffee. So I was like, that was my time. Like, that's when I probably got my highest joke ratio. I was like Mariana Rivera at that time. Like, all, all, before that, I'm like, you know, that picture with that five-year array? Right, Like, right. throwing, like, okay, uh, maybe I'm lobbing it in. But, yeah, at that time, that was my time. That was like, yeah, probably like a book 90% of my jokes that I got in that show was at like in that glory hour after midnight. So the writers work long, long hours, but the writer's assistants work even longer oh, because yeah. then the writers go home at the end of a rewrite and you guys still have to finish the script. You have to print them out. You have to get them to the actors. Yeah. yeah. So you guys work like 18 hour days oh, sometimes. I mean, 18 hour days were, were beautiful on that show. I mean, 18 hours if like we were in an episode, but sometimes you have to go on location and those days were like 20, 22 hours, and then you're back, you know, and then you're dreaming about it. I mean, that was the thing. Like, you end <laughs> up dreaming about the scripts and all this stuff. So, like, you never detach. Like, my family, like, would see me on weekends. I was stressing out. I became bald during that time. It was the greatest experience of my life. And it is a good way for a writer to break in, uh, isn't it? Because oftentimes, if there is a, a freelance script to be given out, that they'll give it to the writer's assistant. Yeah, it's definitely a great way. And I, I know shows are becoming more sensitive to giving writer assistants and script coordinator scripts. And how does somebody get a job as a writer's assistant? I got discovered through making videos on YouTube. And uh, this, this certain show, the show that I got my first writer's assistant gig on, they wanted somebody that could write and direct these like three-minute web videos. It's like sort of advertising they went to YouTube and I got recommended because I made viral videos about Occupy Wall Street. So I'm just giving you timing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like it's like these weird political videos I made. And apparently a few of them went viral. So I got discovered by some producer that was like, I'm daffing for this show. Like, would you be interested? In and I was in school. I was in grad school. It's like studying uh, molecular biophysics. So I never even <laughs> thought about working in TV. <laughs> and then, yeah. So, so I was like... I'll just take the interview because I never meet people in TV. So I took the interview and, and I thought like, okay, like they're never going to hire a guy that's that literally like all he does is make stupid videos with his friends. Like these weird political videos, puts it up on YouTube and then he has another friend like put it on HuffPo and then it goes viral. So I was like, they know I'm a fraud. So like my TV career is over before it started. But somehow someone took leniency on me. It was like, you know what, let's put him in a room. And then I got put in this TV room with, like, writers that are now writing on New Girl, Veep, and, like, amazing sh creating shows, like um, like the former SNL writers. And there's, then there's this idiot that, like, a week ago was, like, you know, studying molecular biophysics. So, like, <laughs> it, it was such a culture shock. I was like, what am I doing here? I mean, this was a show that literally disappeared after 10 episodes. It was like a 1090 deal Comedy Central had, and they just got rid of the episodes. I mean, it, it was a show that they fired the lead actor two days uh, before uh, the first day of production. So I thought the show was going to get canceled. Well, welcome to the real yeah, world exactly. of sitcoms. Yeah. Exactly. So I literally was like, all right, like all these, there's all these different periods where I thought my TV career was going to end. And then somehow, like I survived the show. And then, yeah, and then I got recommended to be a writer on a big network sitcom. 
And then they were, they were also like, oh, you make funnier dive videos and you make YouTube videos with your friends. Like, we need to do this because the network wants it. Like, can you do this? I'm like, yeah. And then they're like, you also have these other responsibilities. Can you do it? And me being, you know, 25 and innocent, I was like, I can do it. And then, yeah. And then cut to like eight months of me just... <laughs> and you're bald yeah. right now. Yeah, yeah. I'm bald. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it was like the skinniest I've ever been. Like, but yeah, it was... It was incredible. I mean, it was still the best experience of my life so far. Like, it, I mean, it, it's what made me a TV writer. Like, if that didn't happen to me, I would probably be teaching advanced chemistry in, like, some science high school in Jersey somewhere. But no, I'm an, I'm a an Hollywood writer now, which is crazy. Okay, that is going to do it for this edition of Hollywood and Levine. Our thanks to Adam and Susie Butler, to Howard Hoffman, John Wolfert, Randy Thomas, and, of course, you. If you haven't subscribed already, I would appreciate it. Other than that, see you next week. Pleasant dreams. Hollywood and Levine.